So, this is episode 30 of FIA Goes PC. Welcome everyone from around the world. Thanks for listening. We've had an incredible turnout this week. Gotta say a big thank you to everyone. If you can, also continue to watch Project FIA. It's on Amazon Prime right now, as well as our YouTube channel, which is FIA Gets Tubed. So yeah, we have... Six uh, kind of intermittent sort of intros to podcast episodes on YouTube. We are going to extend into the tour that will come up at some point in, I think we're aiming for a launch in, in March when the weather's a little bit better. It's been pretty chronic. There's been ups and downs in our weather so far this week. It's been quite mad. We've had everything, snow, sun, rain. <laughs> But no storms. We had a crazy wind rush. We've had crazy winds here in the UK. So it's not as bad as places in the world get, of course. That's been a trend recently. Some crazy, crazy things happening in the world right now with weather. But yeah, welcome. And I am your host, as always, Rebel Zen, aka Danny Hale. Or flip that around, Danny Hale, aka Rebel Zen. It's all good. I am here on my own. I'm in the cave with no windows, all on my tod this week. There is no one with me. Uh, Unicorn Slayer couldn't make it. He was, well, I don't know what happened. He he sort of was coming and then he didn't come. I think his work had kind of thrown a few curveballs his way this week. So it falls down to me to entertain you all. Yeah, we've we've got a pretty pretty broad spectrum of things that have happened this week. Also, there's of course some questions and and the questions that are coming in this week, there are three questions asked by two people from around the world. Uh I'll give a shout out to both of them now. Obviously, you know one of them, uh it's our producer. She's given me quite a brain teaser. I will get to that in a bit after the week wrap-up. And the other one comes from my sister from another mother in Los Angeles, Simone, who's out there working crazy hard. So I'm with you, Simone, and I'm there with you also to my brother, Sol, who he never stops working. The guy's constantly working all the time. But on the topic of America, this is a good for our week wrap-up. Some news emanating from America this week. A lot of it's still focused towards Trump. Um, I guess there's also a lot of stuff going on on Facebook, social media. I think we omitted the reason that we took FIA off Facebook. We had a Facebook page for a while. Basically, in short, Facebook seems completely broken at the moment. Uh, There's loads of things going on on it. I was getting tired of having all kinds of negative comments and feedback, not on our show, but in general life being a big Liverpool supporter, it was just getting too much. Like we'd have a good game, but it wasn't good enough for half a dozen people around the world. Whatever it is, it seems that there's this trend of raging negativity everywhere. I have talked about this in the past, but that was the reason that we actually did FA in the first place, is to kind of cancel out this negativity, or at least parody sort of some, loosely, topics that are kind of trending a lot right now but it has been quite a reveal uh the negativity (laughs) that's floating around on social media it's been quite a popular trend really in talking on other podcasts a lot of people are referencing how crazy negative things are getting well it's just a bit bananas so we've got the facebook thing i think there's a load of things they're trying to mend on facebook they're trying to fix the problems there's this big thing with fake news at the moment well i feel news is well, i often say fake in general but i would say that it's very much a sort of speculation and we do like our sensationalist media for some reason it seems a far cry from how things used to be when it was almost like You'd get a story of some sort of local thing happening, a local fireman maybe saving a cat from a tree when when everyone was wee young, we could still remember this. It's sad for the new generation who are often dubbed these days millennials, but it's sad for them because they've inherited this world where it's really quite difficult to make your mind up of what is real 
and what is, you know, speculative or how do, how do you set an offense with it? It's interesting, isn't it? It's like on one side, you've got the uh, condemnation of people like Harvey Weinstein and all these guys in recent times. That's sort of dulled down a little bit. But we've we've covered this in the past by saying it's all speculative until the trial's gone to hearing and all of this stuff. But it, it's sad to think that people are going to grow up in a world where they can't sort of determine what is a home run truth, an absolute fact, and what is just completely an opinion, basically. I think that's the struggle that we're having. And so Facebook have been put to test because there's been so many slanted news and a lot of independent news suppliers and and you know all of these things that are on the uh, Facebook trends almost weekly or daily even and it's something that really does need a sort of watchdog it needs sort of possibly a, a career in itself for people out there in the internet world to maybe think of a way to I don't know calm this all down it feels it feels quite reckless but yeah, we, uh, we've had all of that. There was a case Wynne brought to my attention in Hong Kong. She brought to attention this, this case. Some of you might have heard of it, but basically um, YouTube celebrity, I think. I'm, I'm trying to remember the term, so if there's a lot of them, I, I do apologize. But I think the term she stated was that she's sort of a kind of social ambassador or something like this, where... Because she's got a following of, say, 800 and something thousand people on YouTube, she feels that she is entitled to ask a top hotel in Dublin if <laughs> if she could have a free trip, basically a free night or, or two in this kind of independent sort of chic hotel in Dublin. And it's been an interesting story because the backlash has instantly ricocheted where Dublin not only the, the hotel in Dublin not only rejected her but basically made a claim of saying we don't need any social anything we're, we're just it, it doesn't bother us whatsoever what you do and what you can bring to the table we've got a, a good reputation and we don't need your help so thank you but no and of course she responded to this with a post of her breaking down pretty much um, I'm trying not to laugh because <laughs> you gotta remember this is actually someone's daughter, and yeah, it it's traumatic in a sense because she's then upset that she feels like she's been put into this demonization or whatever that she actually put herself in. Well, it's it's it sort of goes quite far explaining to a lot of you guys out there who are young around the world and are invested in YouTube. It sort of explains just how fickle it all is it's almost like to get this following that you might get it can be dependent on us pretty much a shallow thing it doesn't really ever apply to talent there are a few exceptions of course there's a lot of comedians uh independent comedians coming out on youtube it's a bit of a segue this is i actually spent some time watching a, a really good series that you'll find on Netflix, which is Jerry Seinfeld's new project. Well, I say new, it's been going on for quite a while now, but it's called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, and it's a great show. It's, it's really good to just throw on when you're having sort of breakfast or uh, lunch or whatever, and you just need something to pass the time while you're eating. It's, it's perfect for that. But it's a, quite a good insider of, you know... Not only comedians in tour, but also producers, um, some of the older generation of comedians, which is really great to see them still doing stuff. Even Obama, which was quite an eye opener when he was still president. I think it was in his last year. And it's quite cool. It's sort of an all access pass, but very much a, a, a talk between two comedians on that. He had a YouTube sensation. Uh, whose name is going to elude me, and I apologise to everyone, but she's actually a character actress that's playing a role. I'm really trying to remember it. It's like Melinda something, or I don't know. Someone can tell me. Uh, just drop who it is in the comment box and tell me, because I'm not trying to be ignorant on purpose. But it was quite stark, because you've got all of these heavy names in comedy, 
like really famous names, some that are famous more to my generation, I suppose, people my age or even older than me, and then some that are even before that and after that, like some quite recent guys as well on the circuit currently. But it was quite a stark contrast because here's a girl performing this this character in this episode who's just obnoxious, pure out, that's the character, just totally obnoxious. And at the end of the episode, she's actually herself, and so you get that contrast of her over a character. But again, it's sort of, I guess it's more impressive if you've never seen anything like that before. For me personally, I've been involved in improv. I know character building. I've done sketch shows. In my time, in fact, (laughs) the one on Amazon Prime could be arguably uh, called a sketch show. And it's sort of nothing new, but fair play to her. She's using a modern forum. And I think, you know, YouTube's quite an untapped resource, really. There's probably so many things you can do with it. It's grown all the time, but it just feels like there's this huge gap from an established circuit comedian or a character actor that's in Hollywood, say, or in the industry, any industry around the world, that there has to be this kind of tiered layer. If all of you kids these days, if they run into YouTube celebrities, you can really make anyone a celebrity just by popularity on YouTube. And it just feels to me that it's kind of taken a lot away from the industry. Like it's almost, you're not really seeing any quality differentials. You're really just getting people really throwing out their opinion, their opinion sticks and it is what it is. But it just feels like you eventually, this is a long winded way of saying you eventually get this situation in Dublin, which speaks rhythms really about our current era how someone who's in their early 20s or whatever is just making, well, making money off off popularity, I suppose, and then feels entitled to the sort of treatment that, you know, a top A-list star would get, Angelina Jolie, someone like this. It just doesn't make sense to me. I find it to be quite weird. But yeah, the, the whole social media has been quite a prime focus. There's also... A little bit of a nod back to the whole um, Russian hacking scandal, this kind of stuff. We're having the Brexit thing. It's sort of, right now, being in the UK, it's it's kind of the only thing that people are really talking about in the world about the United Kingdom. And it just feels quite depressing when you're from here because it's almost like, man, haven't we got (laughs) else you can talk about? I mean, it's almost like you're feeling... For a while, you had the Prince Harry stuff with um, the fact that he's got a celebrity, um, well, fiance now. And it's almost like we're skipping all of the good stuff and we're going straight to this Brexit stuff, which is dull as anything. I read in a brief <laughs> a brief headline that a mummified relative who was believed to have syphilis, died from syphilis, mummified in underground in London is actually related to Boris Johnson, one of our MPs, which just sounds like a desperate attempt to turn the tables on whatever we're thinking, this dull grey kind of understanding of Brexit. It's just really getting annoying. We've got to have something more important to talk about, really. Yeah, we've got football, we've got the transfers, but the world doesn't really care about football. It's, I mean, any sport, really. From around the world, whatever your national sport is, it's it's a bigger deal to you in the country. But I suppose football is a platform that speaks around the world. Uh, UK football, I'm never going to use the word soccer. I apologise. I don't even know where that comes from, to be honest. It sounds odd. But um, yeah, our football sort of reaches many people around the world. Always going to get comments. And that's part of the negative stuff. The world comments in, you know, there's a lot of supporters I suppose that are new to the game and they just say anything they want because they don't really understand uh, support I suppose that's why we're dubbing fans these days as as supporters to me when I was a kid it was always a supporter you always supported your team and I think the definition of supporter is support them through thick and thin through good results through bad results you might scratch your edge you might get emotional at the end of a cup if you lose it all of that's normal but to demonize and radically destroy your team 
after every match. That's new. That's a, that's a new trend that I don't understand. And it's it's funny, all of these things, because when you're doing a podcast, you're kind of constantly researching stuff. And um, Netflix was a really good tool for that. And it's, you had the Jerry Seinfeld stuff. I also looked into Joe Rogan's stand-up, which I'm really glad I saw. Uh, one of his more recent ones in San Francisco. And I really liked it. I thought he was very good. It was a lot better than I thought, considering that he was an ex-presenter of Fear Factor and, you know, went on to doing podcasting and stuff. And his podcasts are great. They're they're enjoyable. Um, But his stand-up is really, really good. I was impressed. So big kudos to you, Joe Rogan. It's not an easy job to do stand-up. And he's seamlessly good at it, and he's he's very physical. It's it's a whole different act. It's it's actually very of this era as well. It's very modern, and he covers a lot of ground, just like he does in his podcast. But in looking through that, there was uh, research as well that I was doing. Um, a good thing that came out of uh, Netflix really recently is David Letterman being back doing a sit down interview. I think it's called No Introduction, uh, My Next Guest, No Introduction Necessary, something like this. And the first interview again is Barack Obama, which again seems timely. There's there's so much, I suppose, the sentiment in America, it's really quite undefinable in a margin. But I think Obama is such a charismatic leader that there is still so many people that are upset that he's gone because of... I guess who he represents in the world stage as a charisma, as a, as a character and how open the White House became. To me, it's always reminded me of the drama Designated Survivor, which is Kiefer Sutherland's uh, new series, again on Netflix. And we're not plugging Netflix, I should talk about Amazon series really, but I'm just, just bear with me, guys. Designated Survivor is kind of like really interesting because it almost feels like if Obama hadn't happened, that series couldn't happen because there's so much detailing inside the White House to Obama and all doors were open, all this stuff. He was a president of the people, even if the people didn't like him. He definitely was. He was um, something completely different, very much a change, a modern change to politics around the world. And as I said previously, you might not like him uh, for for his you know for his policies. You might not have liked what happened in the U.S. under Obama, but I think he, as an individual, was always. Um, I, I really believe he he was feeling uh, for America's best interest first, and it was really clear in a Letterman sit down interview. It was very eye-opening, actually. It was very uh, candid, and it was very honest. A lot of background about him. It was a great one-hour show. And again, I feel like even if you didn't like him, it's always good to sort of see the person behind behind uh, any controversy or anything you disagreed with. And I think he comes off as, as very fair in what he says. And it's almost like we said last time in episode 29 of this here thing we said last time that it was kind of like trump is the absolute reverse (laughs) i think pete said it is the absolute reverse of obama i don't necessarily think he's the reverse i think he's different again it's almost like two very different presidents you can argue that he's completely opposites in many ideas but i actually think trump represents the standard mod it, it it to me it would have made more sense if Trump was first and then Obama was second. It would have made more sense. It could have softened Obama's presidency a little bit because you would have seen direct changes. But I think Trump I've always said what's really interesting about him is he's done everything he'd say he would do very early on. Uh certain things have hit a wall, which is uh, arguably a good thing. <laughs> But there's a lot of things that he's pushed into motion that he said he would. As far as politics goes, I don't think that's ever happened that successfully. I don't think there's been any other president, prime minister, leader of any country in any world that's been so quick to engage in policies. I think Trump was clever, though, because in his running to the presidency, everything he stood for was completely 
well, it was it was um, surface level. It, it was it was kind of not shallow. That's the wrong word, but it wasn't really precise. We didn't have clear direction on what he was going to do. We just heard almost like I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, like promises. And policies tend to be drawn out, and you can read them quite clearly when you're voting. And it's interesting because a lot of statistics have come out about all of this stuff in in weeks months even now but it's kind of hit this peak at this period of time where we're getting this idea now where a lot of people aren't voting in the u.s because they they got to work so hard to put food on the table for the kids and they just don't have time to get to a polling booth and it's quite sad to me to think that you know you get a margin of the usa and i think this is why there's so much conflict in america with these situations is because you don't feel you're getting an honest number when when they draw a percentage and say it's like 55 percent to to whatever it doesn't feel honest to me it feels like there's there's a missing um factor of so many people that don't turn up to vote we've had this situation in the uk our, our situation is a lot more simple because we're such a smaller place but we never get to, I think the difference is, if you're listening in America, you might find this interesting, but the difference is we never get to vote in our prime minister. It works by um, MPs, by seats in parliament. And so it's kind of a whole different thing. We never get to vote the precise person who's running the country. We vote the party and then the leader of the party takes seat as prime minister. So it's, it's kind of a different system where you guys mostly get a direct vote to your president as well as senates and uh, senate structures, all this stuff. It works a totally different way. So, yeah, it's a bit boring. I'm just saying this. It's a very political week. Um, it, there's been a lot of tragedies, a lot of shootings. I think there was one in Jamaica, um, which was quite briefly mentioned earlier in the week, um, which is shocking. There's apparently a rising gun crime here. Which again, it's shocking. But I don't know, half of me feels like things like that are said in a sense because it's like a constant reality reminder in the news. When they're struggling to say something, they'll say something again, quite negative. And all our headlines these days reads completely negatively. I'll tell you another thing that's a bit political in this week's wrap-up as, as far as headlines and news. One thing that I find quite funny is the amount of people that have been put forward to actually run for office in the US elections next time around. You've had names like Oprah Winfrey, who's denied it or said that she's not interested in running. You even had The Rock, which I think started off as a Saturday Night Live sketch, Tom Hanks, I think. But I mean, <laughs> if The Rock was present, I, I don't know, man, like, I kind of, as as far as I can see, his charisma and everything like this. If you don't know wrestling, um, well, in wrestling there was there will be, I and mean, there was nothing like him. He was literally just in his own world, super charismatic, always hilarious. Doesn't matter if he's playing a villain role or if he's playing a good guy role. He was just so so watchable. You see this in acting, like I think he's he's had such a foray into acting these days. The latest film he's done is Jumanji, the kind of sequel stroke reboot. And he's such an entertaining guy in all of his interviews. I tell you if, you, if you want a bit of a thing to do, watch everything that The Rock's done with Kevin Hart on YouTube because the two of them together, you could watch for years. That, that, that to me could be a TV show for years itself. So entertaining. And to think, because he stands for so many real things in life, uh, Dwayne Johnson, the guy behind The Rock, he does so many things. He's traveling all the time. His schedule's insane. Could he be present? Yeah, of course he could. Why not? But it's like, do you want the fallout now? Because Trump's got an office where you can only run for president if you're some kind of celebrity or some kind of, you know, former celebrity. It's becoming a little bit bananas. And it's really funny to me. It, I don't want to say sad, but it's, it, it is sad 
how the entire presence being ignored really by so many people have switched off to it. And it's almost like, well, we're more focused on what's going to happen next. Fair enough. I mean, however you feel about it, but I feel like you should always remember, bit of advice really, but you should always remember that no nation is greater than the people. So if there is a war between people in different opinions over the field and stuff like this, and the country is divided as we're led to believe in the media, much like ours is over Brexit, you've really got to focus in reforming the bonds and trying to understand each other because you're not going to get that from the press. You're not going to get that from the media. You're going to get that from, from life, and that's your decision. Don't be lured in by so many opinions. I mean, someone out there who's perfectly reasonable, saying in mind, will have positives about Donald Trump as president. They just will. Listen, hear him out. Exactly in a like-minded way on the opposite spectrum, they should hear you out and, and you can tell them your opinions. As long as it's a conversation and you understand that you can't change anything, nothing can be changed, you don't have to accept it either. Both sides of it, really. Both sides of opinion you don't have to accept, but just try and find a common ground. That's the hope. Because America is a great place. It is a great place. It has the biggest potential in the world. It's one of the biggest trendsetters in the world. I'm a big fan of the place. Sometimes we, we sometimes we're quite mean to it, like American football. But that's only because, you know, each their own differences and all this stuff. And, of course, it's just injustice in comedy. But Godspeed to America. Hopefully you come forward. Whoever is going to be your next president, the focus is going to be immense. Imagine that pressure. It's going to be crazy, man. Like you're <laughs> just, just crazy, crazy stuff. So that's kind of the wrap up as far as I can sort of bring out the, the news this week. It has been quite bland. My personal week wrap up, it's been, it's just been battling the weather. Well, I've had the, the issue of not having uh, Pete with me this week and deciding uh, the format and, and what I was going to do. That's been a mini drama in itself. Yeah, he's he's just all over the place. Loads of things doing. Uh, he's the kind of guy that you can guess. You've heard him for weeks now. He's pretty much always doing something for fun. He's, he's off going to gigs. He's going around Europe. He's, you know, he's always doing something. So to be fair on him, uh, I alleviated it a bit. I just said, you know, don't worry about the pressure and everything like this. For the future of Project FIA, season two, all of this stuff, it's completely... If you've ever watched the show on Amazon, you'll know there's no script, there's no formula. It is what it is. It's kind of like we're telling a story through improvisation. So there's really no limits. We can go anywhere we want. We can bring everyone back. It doesn't really matter. It's just right now there is a lot of pressure on Pete. There was a lot of pressure on Shaq. We mentioned that briefly. We sort of skirted over it. I'll just give you a brief project wrap-up. We're now in week 30. It's a good point to do this because when they're both listening at home, I can I can sort of say to them, you know, they're, they're both two guys that come from the normal world. They've never worked in film before. Um, I dragged them both into this. Met Shaq working at a video game store. Just a great personality. Just a very great guy with a lot of ambitions, a lot of aims in visual arts and things like this, creative aims. And obviously massive lover of video games. And I think that's his dream to build up video games or tell stories in video games, all this sort of stuff. Game creation, development, possibly even film himself. And Shaq's going places, I can tell you that. Like he's razor sharp focused and... I don't have to worry about Shaq whatsoever. For Pete, Pete is literally the human embodiment of fun. If you could create a human being around the central idea of party, that's what Pete is. He's the human party. And everyone who knows him thinks that of him. He's, he's a great dude. And I just can't burden these guys with too much this. <laughs> so in the future, if they come back, I hope they do. I will see them both in life anyway, so I'll keep you posted because I'm sure you'll care about what they're doing and where they're doing, whatever. But for now, it's me on my own. And that's going to change things a little bit. We're going to adapt. We're still going to keep the uh, three-question format. We're going to have guests 
coming in and out as well. I'll probably open a door to more people because we've been taking center stage, so to speak. This is a good opportunity to bring more people in, talk about different aspects of stuff like this. I will also literally answer your questions starting from next week. It'll be more, I won't, it's pointless me coming up with questions for myself. So I'm going to do a lot of, or rely on you guys. If you can, please drop comments and questions, anything you want me to ask. Remember, it's a three question format. So anyone who does ask me questions to answer on the podcast, three question format, I think we're going to start opening up the, the email on Twitter. So if you can get to our Twitter, all these details will be at the end of the episode when Win wraps up in Hong Kong. But basically, if you've got any questions, um, three questions format, you'll see it because i got two this week, which I'm about to cover. And basically, ask your questions. I'll answer them. It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be good. And I'll try and do it as zany and as crazy and as honest as I can. As far as today, well, basically, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just sat here talking to you guys. It's it's cool. Um, just want to say a really big thank you to uh, Japan. The branch of Amazon in Japan has just released Kinfall and Star. That is the film that we sort of started this whole thing off with in our career, really. We've done other things. We've we've had about a decade of doing lots of different stuff, experimental, throwing things at the wall, going mental, screaming at each other, all this kind of crazy stuff. Our core team, Wynn and I have been running the gauntlet mostly. This is our 12th year. It's not a quick life film. It takes time for everything to meld together. But I've got to say thanks to Japan because a dream was realized on Monday this week for me personally. Um, when the podcast episode 29 went out to the masses, something magical happened as well. Kinfo and Star reached Amazon Japan. It's fully translated in Japanese. Kanji, hiragana, kana, all the language. <laughs> My hope I'm saying is right. It's all up there, uh, totally translated. And basically, there's a special edition poster. It's very, very exciting for us because that was pretty much principally our audience was always sort of the sensibility of anyone in Asia that's Japanese, knows Japan's uh, culture and way of doing things. I designed a film for that. I designed a film for any young sort of, um, I'd say, 18 to 30 to even 40, really, I should say. So 18 to 40 is an age spectrum in Asia Anyone who's part of the kind of anime culture, who likes Japanese drama, all of this stuff. Also Hong Kong classic cinema and Korean Korean drama. It's got a bit of all of that for everyone, but it has also got that kind of sensibility of being in Hollywood. And I think it's taken us three years really to get it all translated up there and it's happened. So I'm going to say a big thank you to Sawa who headed the translation. She's out there. I believe in Yokohama. I might be wrong. Wherever you are, Sawa, thank you so much for your help. It's been literally a dream realized, and I can't really put that into words. It blew my mind (laughs) that it was all up there and happening. Sometimes things are surreal, and this was one of those occasions. So if you're in Japan, you can now watch Kinfall and Star. Eventually, we'll try and tackle FIA in subs, I'm sure, at some point, maybe. The whole format's totally different at the moment. We're focused in the UK and America only for Project FIA as a series. But yeah, so thanks to that. Thanks to America. This is a whole different thing. So many American listeners have come in in the last couple of weeks, and I'm thrilled about that because... Part of my life will always be in Los Angeles. It's a big part of my life. And I've got most of my best friends are now there for about 15 odd years now. I've been back and forth and going to America as much as I can. And so it's really cool. It's just really cool to know you guys are listening. It's really cool that we can entertain you. Me, myself, now. (laughs) Everyone else is gone. It's just me and the voices that we can entertain you every week. And it's it's really just a privilege to be heard by you guys out there. And I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you are. And another one, France. What a great place uh, to be listened to us. You're our neighbours from the UK, literally the closest country to us apart from Ireland. And 
man, you know, that's cool, man. Like, thanks very much, guys. Everyone around the world, all of our, like, guys in Indonesia, we said Brazil, Russia, I think we've had some people listening. It's just absolutely awesome that you're listening, and I appreciate that. It's very cool. Right then. So, this is the big thing. Now, I'm going to be a little bit stuttery because I've got to find these questions. And it's <laughs> when you're self-producing and you haven't got 18 arms, you got to find your own questions. Isn't that crazy? So I'm going to start not by any bias, but I'm going to start, I suppose, with the less deep one. And the less deep one, it's still deep. Matter of opinion, it's still quite deep, I suppose. It depends on how I answer this. But this is our first, and this is exciting in itself. This is the first question I've ever received through an email on this show from Los Angeles. So Simone out in in LA. Hi, hope you're doing well. Uh, Your questions. Now, people who've listened to this show for a long time are going to understand that these questions, they run similarly to things we've addressed, but everyone likes the topic. It's a big topic. And these as Simone has said in her email, are her favorite questions to ask anyone. Okay? So this is, there's no weight, no pressure. The first, and it's sort of, they all interlink. It's got the loose theme of superheroes, which again, it's a popular topic. And I'm totally fine with that. It's good stuff. The first question then, I'm keeping you all uh, in suspense here. The first question what superpower do you want? Well, Simone, what superpower do I want? Gee whiz. I always think, and it's literally because, and not for any cool way, I think the superpower that I would want is flight. I'd like to fly. Superman style. But just flight. I don't, I'm not greedy. And the reason that I want to fly is because I have to travel a lot. And to be fair, you know, it saves on plane tickets. I always thought, isn't it interesting? Knowing our world, if you had the ability to fly, right, like Superman does, how does passport control deal with that? And do you still have, have, have to have some kind of radio contact to land in a place? You can't really do it off a radar. We live in a world where tech is everywhere. It's an interesting one. Because I feel like Superman could possibly boom out his voice and people could hear him. But we're talking a singular power here. So if I had flight, would I be shot out of the sky? Would I have a military escort when I'm landing in a place because I'm an un- unidentified flying object? I'd actually be a UFO, wouldn't I? So that's a, that's a whole can of worms right there. But flight is the one that I would like pretty much because I just... It'd be so much easier to uh, to fly it and take a plane, wouldn't it? Be great. I I could be swayed. Now I'm going to be a bit greedy here, but I could be swayed instead of flight. I'd say teleportation, because I just thought in saying flight, I'm thinking this is this is how serious I'm taking Simone's question. Everyone, I am thinking if I was flying, it'd be damn cold up there, wouldn't it? And I don't know if our clothes, like you'd have to wear a ball of everything that you got in your cupboard because you would freeze to death in the atmosphere. And this is one superpower, remember? So I'm going to change. I'm going to exchange that to teleportation. And the reason I'm going to say that is because it's even quicker and you don't have to get frozen in the atmosphere. So teleportation and it's um, distantless. So I can teleport anywhere I want, anywhere I want as long as I can visualize it. And then you teleport there, great. So Nightcrawler style, but with a massive long range. So I hope that answers your question, teleportation. And it literally is because of travel. Don't want to travel, hate travel. Well, I don't hate travel. I like getting places. I don't like the in-between. The in-between is near. So the second part of this question, it all links. Taking your personality into account, what power do you think you'll end up with? So this is kind of a nice way of saying, you don't really deserve teleportation. That's pie in the sky, buddy. So what power would I actually end up getting? Um, That's a good question. My personality. Wow. 
<laughs> hmm. Probably something really useless. And not because I got a useless personality, but because I'm super, super duper creative. I suppose that, in a sense, is a power, right? So if I couldn't have teleportation because it doesn't fit my personality, it's more of a selfish requirement, a need, I would probably have... Um, I would probably have the ability to create universes, but I'd be narcoleptic. So I'd have to be fully conscious to create a universe, right? Or a new, like just build things with my mind because of creativity and it comes to life. Problem is I'm narcoleptic, so I'm never awake long enough to finish a design. So I've got loads of unfinished stuff everywhere. I think that's what I'd probably fit my personality. It would be a bunch of stuff, really cool stuff, but it never gets finished because I keep falling asleep, as is the curse. You need to have... Every superpower has to have a super weakness, right? Do you all agree with me out there? So, yeah. It would be a narcoleptic guy that can create everything with his mind but never finishes stuff. That's the answer. So, number three. Which superhero do you think you could naturally become friends with? Man, I wouldn't, that's a really, that's a really good question because you're tempted to go with your favorites, aren't you? You're tempted to go with who you like the most. And we, we covered that last week. We covered who we like the most, uh, who's your favorite superhero. That was last week's 29, episode 29 of this here podcast. It's a, <laughs> it's a really interesting one because I feel like you got to be smart with this one. I would say Deadpool, but in reality, Wade Wilson is not the kind of guy that I could naturally become friends with because he's nuts and that would bother me. Plus, he's unhinged. Plus, you don't know what he's capable of doing to you. So you'd need something clever. Hmm. I would say, in all seriousness, probably Bruce Wayne. Batman, probably, because I'd get him. I'd be the kind of, I'd be like a good sidekick away from sidekicks, yeah? But the argument there is would I be friends enough with Bruce Wayne for him to reveal to me that he's indeed Batman? Who knows? Yeah. And if it was going to be a Bruce Wayne and it was depicted in anything, film, movies, animation, whatever... I would have to go with the Christian Bale, Bruce Wayne. Not saying he's the ultimate, but it's because I reckon I could get on with that version of Bruce Wayne. I do like Ben Affleck. I do like his portrayal. I think it's been mired, unfortunately, by direction and, you know, controversial mix-ups in writers, how the Justice League has. Snyder started it, Joss Whedon ended it, kind of a deal. There's a lot of turmoil in, in that, that depicted world. I actually thought in Batman vs. Superman, I thought Ben Affleck did a great job. He actually surprised me. I I will always think Christian Bale in the Chris Nolan universe of three films is quite definitive. And because of that, I'll say Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. So I hope I've answered your questions well. I'm sorry I couldn't get more people to answer them as well. But the damn good questions, Simone. Really appreciate that. If any of you guys have any questions, please ask anything. You can ask anything about film, anything about characters, movies, whatever, TV, whatever. Even if we've discussed them, if you find a way that you can sort of attack the, the subject matter, comic books, heroes, whatever, in ways that we haven't discussed, then please do. Be cool. I love these sort of questions. So there's Simone's answered. We're going to go on to our producer's questions now. And this is going to get more mathematically deep. Here we go. <laughs> Wynn says, my three questions are based around the same topic. A running theme. I feel like Simone did that. I think Wynn's doing that too. You guys read each other's minds. It's crazy. So here we go. At 20, what did you expect? 20 years old. What did you expect or hope you would be when you reached 30? Man, at 20, what did I expect when I reached 30? That's a good question. That's a good question, Wim, because I, I definitely at 20 wasn't thinking what I was 
gonna be doing when I was 30 is in a sense I I'm one of these people that doesn't really project what I'm gonna be doing um in 10 years I focus on what I'm doing in the moment and at 20 I just come off touring in my band um so I from 18 to roughly 20 so 19 20 so at that point, I would have probably been thinking, I have to remind myself what I was thinking at 20, guys. Sorry about this. <laughs> I would have probably thought, well, I've got options in music. I should pursue that. Um, but I also, I know for a fact that I was also, one, I was always on film. And I think at that time, I would have imagined that I was performing music uh, in a band of some volition, always in a band, never wanted to be a solo artist. Or I think I would have been looking at the acting side and thinking I'd be in Hollywood um, trying to do what all all of the guys in Hollywood are trying to do. And that is breaking the industry somehow, be on a circuit. And hopefully at 30, I think everyone thinks this. I remember a really good mate of mine, Lee Bennett in London, who's, who's been slugging away at his career. Um, he always said to me, and I've, I'm pretty sure I would have said the same thing when I was uh, 20 or in my 20s. By 30, I'm going to be signed up. Or I'm going to be rock and roll. I'm going to be, a, um, you know, A-list. I'm going to go for it. Of course, nothing works out like that. It's a lot harder these days. And I think the pressure is that we, we always identify when we're in our 20s that 30 is ancient. 30 isn't ancient. 30 is, in my opinion when it all really sort of sets in stone because the 20s is about you going mad. In your 20s, you can sign off for a trip to Mars, you can stick noodles in your ears and run around and do crazy, crazy stuff. But you are, I mean, if, if you're serious, you can, <laughs> you can actually experiment. You, I mean, it's when you're in your career, I think it's the sort of perfect apprenticeship kind of age. It's like a decade where you're really going to make things stick. And it's natural, really. I feel like you leave your teens, so you say goodbye to your childhood. By the time you're 20, and this isn't a natural world, it's a lot more pressured than this in cultures. But I think in your 20s, you're meant to be looking at, like, if you want to finish off your education, if you want to travel, if you want to do a merging of both. I think your 20s are about that. So that in your 30s, you ground yourself and you say, right, this is my niche and this is what I'm going to stick with and this is what I'm going to do. So I feel... The pressure, and if you'd have asked me this question in my 20s, I would have probably said, yeah, I'll be performing in some way, either on stage, uh, in a band, in theatre, or in film. That's what I would have done. And so if I could project it to you at 30, I would have said at 20, yeah, man, I'm going to be there right now. I'm going to be at the top. I'm going to be an A-list. And you never are. Well, never say never. Some people are. Okay, so this then goes into the next part of this question. How does that compare with where you are now? That's a good question too. Um, I guess where I am now is more pressured um, because I'm doing it all instead of a part of it. I think I was happy and content once upon a time being a writer and an actor. Um, I never was a pure actor. I always had imagination. I always wrote stuff forever when I was in a band I always wrote everything the music the lyrics all of this stuff it took me a long time in music to actually work with other talented artists and I did that in a couple of bands as well where we'd combine the ideas of music but I would always be the lyricist I'd always write the the words of every song and I feel like a frontman a singer should I don't feel like it's right to be performing other people's words I think you need to make that song your own that's just my opinion but that's what I I go by um and I think that in acting I was always sort of like well my creativity is almost like a foundation level thing so if I create the story and I take a role in it, it doesn't have to be the main role it doesn't have to be anything it could be the supporting role it could be whatever but I would take the role in it just to give myself work because unfortunately, even in that time, which was sort of early 2000 plus, it was super hard to just be one element of film. It's always helpful. And this is a bit of advice to anyone out there. It's always helpful doing many elements of film, just trying loads of different things. Have your main thing that you want to do if you want to perform. 
that's your main thing you want to do but understand how everything works around that so you've got things to fall back on you just got to look at it like any job essentially where the more skills you have in that job the higher up you'll get in theory so compares really saying that i am one of these people who's stuck to my beliefs and faith and dream i suppose my ambitions but i've put more pressure on myself because not only am i now running a film company and i have to do all the projects myself i'm also doing the writing and taking roles and stuff like this within that spectrum but i i prefer it it's harder it's uh it's less rewarding at this point it is but i always believe that my job is now to kind of make sure that everyone is having a good time and that everyone has the ability to live their dream not just myself and that's more rewarding for sure so that's that and this is the final part of the question and where do you hope to be 10 years from now wow i've set myself up for a fall there i have uh, it's like okay well this is the same thing i think it <laughs> as old as we get we never stop especially as artists we never stop thinking man this guy's the the limit and you know blah 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 so at 20 i would have said i'd be an a-lister by us 30 that would be the pressure that i had on myself at 30 to 10 years from now i would say I would say that I would just hope that we're stabilized and that we're making things happen uh, regularly. For me, I would want the film company to be acknowledged. I would want Kin to be obviously done by then. I want to be still working on projects and I would pretty much want to be giving people opportunity, but I would definitely want to be self-contained. The thing you're always looking for in this business is the financial stability to keep going. There are so many people out there in Hollywood, in the industry, that are looking for personal gain, personal benefit, like a multi-million dollar lifestyle and all this stuff. I think it goes without saying that we've adapted because we're a production company. Our hope is to make enough money to keep funding projects. Self-funding. You know, you make that profit, you put it straight back in, recycle it into the, the company and you keep making projects. It's sort of keeps the plan active and it kind of keeps you honest as in you've always got the same pressures essentially but you've got more security and that would be what i would hope i would hope that we're in a financial stable say as uh, as a company so that we can just keep on making stuff happen and principally speaking it's it's no different from say running a football club be it american football even basketball whatever franchise out there or even running a wrestling promotion or something like this, if you take these kind of things, the concept is about reinvestment all the time and making sure that your talent and everything stays fresh and that your direction's going in the right forward momentum. And because this is an all-inclusive job, being running in, in sort of the trenches myself as a performer, as a writer and all of this stuff, to the directing side, to the producing side, to actually running the company at the end of it all. It might sound greedy to a lot of you guys. In fact, it was one of these funny things when we premiered Kim because we have so many credits in the in the uh, end credits. Only because we had to fill time. It's a weird experiment making a feature film because you've constantly got to use your time. You've constantly got to pad that thing out. And... We debated the idea of using loads of fake names and just it becomes a trivia at the end of the day. But we we were just sort of on the knife edge. We thought, no, we'll be honest. We'll show people as it is. We didn't expect it to sound ego and arrogant. It, it wasn't meant to look like that when you've got 95 credits at the end of a film. But it was the truth. And you got to kind of stand by that. And it got a big pop. It got a laugh in the cinema. When we had the, the premiere in, in LA, it got such a laugh from our cast and our cast friends and all this stuff because it's almost like, you know, <laughs> there is my name, there's Wynn's name, my name, Wynn's name, my name, Wynn's name, all this stuff, like 90-something times. But it wasn't meant to 
be arrogant. I think we were just trying to be honest and open about what we'd done. Uh, you have to kind of protect yourself going into anything like this. But obviously, one of the biggest things that I'd want in a 10-year projection, just to answer your question, when is I would want more names on our credits and I'd want the team to be, you know, 20, 30 names strong, maybe more by then. So yeah, realistically, my projection's kind of realistic, but it's still a bit, the sky's the limit. Um, who knows? And it'll be interesting to ask that question again, answer that question again in 10 years time to see how much has been true and how successful we are. But stability is kind of what I want. And I want to keep doing what I do without limitation. Um, in this world, in this day and age, with on-demand video and constant network pressure, well, networks will probably be dead. Uh, I do believe that terrestrial networks, TV as we know it, it's going to be dead. I think it's all going to be subscription-based. I think Netflix set the formula, and I can see everything doing that because it self-protects. You take... Your own network, um, with Disney just acquiring almost everything in Hollywood that's worth anything, it's almost like inevitable that Disney are going to have a counter to Netflix where it's literally going to be all of their, you know, Star Wars, Marvel, Studio Ghibli in Japan. You got all the Disney back catalog, all the Disney current catalog, everything. You can just imagine this, man. It's going to be like 20th Century Fox now as well it's going to be like this super Netflix. And I, I can imagine in time, it's going to be more fruitful. If you guys look at the world right now as, as television, and you think HBO started a trend where they're putting out their own stuff, it's feature length, it's got massive budgets. Even back six feet under time, it was big deal. You know, Alan Ball, who came off an Oscar uh, win from uh, American Beauty and all this stuff. You've got some serious weight there man and then that turns into game of thrones which has got like colossal budgets for a season it's just unfathomable in fact amazon put out the fact that they're going to do a lord of the rings tv series and the budget on that sort of i think they're setting lucy and again this is speculative media but i can believe it about 150 million per season which is roughly the budget that Titanic had, which was once the most expensive film ever made. And you can just see these leaps happening, these huge leaps happening in film and TV. It's funny just to say, like, TV literally has become the way to do it. I think the stories are holding more people's attention. Hollywood's always put out there, as far as movies, like an excuse, really, that says, hey, man, everyone's got attention deficit disorder now. Uh, they can't handle a movie. They're just not in it. They're just not focused, unless it's a Marvel film, unless it's like, well, literally a superhero film or big franchises like Star Wars or something like this. They're just not in it. They're just not, they, the attention's not there. And yet, <laughs> these same kids will watch hours upon hours upon hours of television, like Breaking Bad, Sons of Anarchy, all of this stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, that doesn't quite work in your narrative of, you know, your ADHD concept, does it? Because these guys are watching literally like massive amounts of television in hours and hours and hours. I think, and I will always say this, it's the story. The story has to be that gripping and hold your attention. And then, you know, it all plays out and you'll stick with it through thick and thin. No one can change that kind of element. People love good stories and they love to identify the characters and all this stuff. I like the evolution concept of TV. In a network-based television system where ratings matter and all of this stuff, that's now old school. To me, that feels super analog. We're going to go into the digital revolution very soon where instead of ratings, it's subscriptions, it's reviews, it's interest, and it's downloads, and it's stats, you know, in a whole different way. And hopefully that will lead to some really great changes in the industry because you'll have a situation where it's really audience participation straight up. So if it's not reviewed in five star ways or there's no reviews, <clears throat> you've got to see the, the minutes played and how many people are subscribing to the actual show. And 
it could be that we're sort of in the cusp of that change in our company because we literally cater and create for that audience, that on-demand audience. And it's also a case where we fully control our production stuff. So when we're not reaching out to anyone for help or there's no, you know, we're self-curring all the finances. And I think that that could open a very interesting way for the industry to grow. So when I say stability is my final part, what do I see myself in 10 years time getting, hoping, achieving and that sort of thing? But that sort of stability. And I think that the industry is going to change towards that on-demand stuff. I think Netflix has been incredibly successful with its own production stuff. I will say out there, a lot of the Netflix originals and inverted commas are actually literally successful shows in different countries and territories that they've acquired as a distributor. But they have produced their own stuff. And the stuff that they have produced, be it all the Marvel stuff, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Defenders, which really started the ball rolling. I think they did The Crown, but it could be an association. I think that's theirs. But they've got like new stuff coming out almost monthly. And when you think about that, it's actually quite mind-blowing because they're turning budget and they're taking people away from network television. I think that's a good thing. I think if we can watch this commercial free on devices, it becomes personal, it becomes controlled by you, you control your own television. And yeah, what what's, well, there's no negative to that. So yeah, that's the world I feel we'll be in. And I feel like we're on the way to achieve that. Of course, every other nation should follow suit. So any of you guys that are in Asia right now that are thinking of starting, if you're in Hong Kong and you're thinking of starting your own TV, whatever, and you're looking to get, say, TVB, which is your, your national sort of distributor, your broadcaster, your main channel, I would say don't look there anymore. Look for the on-demand option. But Japan is forming quite well and I've got a lot of hopes for Japan when you got Warner Brothers making movies from Japan now in a Japanese studio you've got a lot of great television and we're being distributed this television in different outlets Netflix is one in the UK that we get a lot of Japanese television not much it's more Korean has to be said but we get some but then you have Crunchyroll which is a US based on-demand animation, manga, which is comics, and has a a kind of a back catalogue drama, which is Japanese drama television shows. And it's just great to have that. It's, It's such an important thing, I feel. If you're ever looking at any art, any art, it doesn't matter if it's pictures, drawings, paintings, whatever, any art, sculptures, whatever, it's always good to see what's happening in the world. Because that's where the inspiration is going to be. What is inspiring for us in the UK is to look at, say, America, is to look at Australia, is to look at Asia, is to look throughout Europe, anywhere but home. (laughs) Okay? Some people are completely inspired by home and are glorious artists. But a lot of people, especially in this day and age, are looking outside where they're from. The same can be said. If you're from Japan, you're looking at America, you're looking at Europe, you know what I mean? So it's almost like we should always have that kind of thing at the uh, the, the touch of a, a button, a device, whatever. We should be able to research. We can now travel anywhere in the world. It's so important, really, that we, we get to see each other's cultures and TV and, and, and stuff like this. I was actually really blown away. A lot of you guys and girls listening in the UK will know that Channel 4 did this thing, I think it was two years ago now, where they had a bunch of European, Jewish, Israeli filmmakers and just around the world, all of these strange kind of like indie shows and things, Germany, France, Denmark, uh, Sweden, Norway, just around the world really. Most of Europe, I have to say. I do think there was an Indian boom as well, but that was a lot earlier, a Bollywood boom for Channel 4. But the European stuff was a real eye-opener. And just to see the level of TV being so good around the world, it's not just a US trend, it's all around the world. And I just find it's important because we have to see what's out there and we have to try and understand 
especially when it's going to matter. We're looking at network television, it's very domestic, but it's going to really matter when this becomes cross-territory, when it becomes a global network. Well, that's a good closing point. I feel like that kind of thing, instead of what I'm going to be doing in 10 years, what is the world going to look like in 10 years? And I think it'll be a lot more together. I think we're, we're going to be in a place now where we're going to start really learning about each other's nations and cultures and all of this stuff. And it should be a lot less scary. And I hope it is. And we'll see in 10 years. But anyway, that's me done. Next week, we'll come back with more questions. We will come back with whatever you guys bring forward from around the world listening. And of course, the guests will start happening after that. But yeah, it'll be me next week again. Unless anything changes and I can drag people from the past back here. (laughs) But that's me done. And thanks for listening, guys. It's been awesome. Hope you enjoy it. And I hope I've entertained you all. So enough from me and over to Win in Hong Kong for the wrap. Thanks, Danny. And I am Winifred Mock, the producer of Project FIA in all its forms. You can watch the comedy series Project FIA on Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. Check out the pre-podcast videos on our YouTube channel, FIA Gets Tubed. And also, do send in your questions to us. There are three ways to reach out. Our email is projectfia.revelrated at gmail.com. You can send us a message via SoundCloud, or you can always send us a tweet. Our handle is projectfia.com.